You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Good afternoon. Healthy life, you know, doing well. Nice, wonderful weather here. Raining. Uh-huh. Cool. Night. Yeah. Nice to see you. Did you have a good weekend? Sure. Yeah. Uneventful. Pretty. Much. I mean, as much as uneventful as packing to move is, you know. Like, I wanted to talk Friday on integrity a little bit. I wanted to get into like the voting and what's going on with the election in the U.S. and things like that. And a lot of people seem to think that it's settled. Well, no, it's not settled. It's not settled. The framers, the founders and the framers of the Constitution, they understood that these things would take time. There was going to be legal processes involved. So there is a process that we are in the process of following. This is not out of the realm of the of the ordinary. So I, I wanted to get into some of that uh, and what we're seeing there. But that wasn't the only thing I wanted to talk about. But as it happened, I wasn't feeling too well on Friday. I was, you know, had a little bit of a, um, uh, let's just say I was under the weather. Didn't have COVID or anything like that or something else. But um, I wasn't doing too well. And we decided to just punch out on Friday. We did a re-air of our structure of socialism, which I thought was fantastic. I mean, it was it's very informative. And honestly, this is the problem we're facing at the moment is this type of an ideology, not necessarily you know, a, a full-blown, uh, by-the-book socialism. This is another form of it. It always comes back, but it comes back in an abstract form. This is a different kind of collectivism, unlike anything I've ever seen before and anything that I've ever studied before. But nonetheless, the basic patterns of how it is being formed are there. It meets all the requirements. It has all the criteria for it to be a form of collectivism, and it is authoritarian on top of it. And of course, we're going to get into some of that later on this week. But uh, nonetheless, uh, we did a re-air on Friday, and to be honest with you, it, a lot of valuable information there. And again, as I said there, we didn't even scratch the surface. We didn't even scratch the surface. I spent an hour, I think, rambling on about all that stuff, and I didn't even get into detail in any of it. But nonetheless, all right, let, let's get let, let's get over to uh, stuff today. So I, I wanted to kind of pick up where we left off on Thursday last week. But I wanted to start with a guy named George Soros. Now, George Soros, we've talked about him here before many times. And look, I, I, I personally, I mean, George Soros is he's he's a very interesting character. You can't deny that. He's got a very, um, shall we say, um, checkered past. That's one way of putting it. Yeah, he's yeah, that's one way of putting it. But nonetheless, I, I know we talk about him here, and he's you know this uh, this spooky dude, and he's all over like he's behind all this this dark evil stuff in the world. Well, maybe. Maybe. Do I think that he's directly tied to all of that? No, he insulates himself from all that stuff. But that's that's not how he does. That's not how he does business. Soros is how do I put it? He's billed as one thing, but he is another behind the scenes. He on the surface is an investor. He's a philanthropist. This is the attitude that's portrayed in the media. But and I mean, a Nazi collaborator. But well, there is that. Yeah. As I said, checkered past. Uh-huh. And he's got a new documentary out, apparently. And that's he's he's cleared all that up. Right. He's, he's cleared all that up and how he's supposedly at the, the center of all the right wing conspiracies and all that stuff. Now, he he's cleared all that up. Right. So there, there shouldn't be any more conspiracies after this documentary. Now, what about his native Hungary? He was a Hungarian Jew that was in Eastern Europe at the time of uh, of the Nazis. And I don't have to tell you what the persecution was like back then. But he emigrated to the United States. Well, he still had his Hungarian citizenship, and I believe he still does. Now, the Hungarian prime minister, Viktor Orban, doesn't like him very well, doesn't like Soros. And he's called him, and I'm just quoting here, I'm just reporting on what he said. He said, Soros is one of the most corrupt people in the world. Now, as I said, he's a very interesting character. Regardless of what you think of him, the man knows business, he knows investments. Markets are moved based on the decisions and actions that George Soros takes. You know, I watched an interview with him back in the 90s uh, on 60 Minutes, and I remember him being asked the question, do you not care about any of the laws? And he says, look, we're, we're following the laws. This is what we do. And he said, well, what if we were to have a law that would stop you from doing the type of business practices that you're doing? And he says, we would follow the law. What he's saying is... Well, he's essentially he's laughing in our faces that we don't have any kind of a law to prosecute him for his type of business practices. That's what he's doing. Now, it's not uncommon for him to give generous amounts of money 
to tax-exempt foundations. Look at his Open Society Foundation and look at the groups that he gives to. Look at the causes that he gives to. He always gives. And I'm not again, I'm not being conspiratorial, I'm not taking sides here. I'm just saying if you look at the causes he gives to, they are left wing causes, all of them. As a matter of fact, Project Veritas even did a piece on him talking about that they had it on video. They said, look, we have an Antifa organization and he gave money to us. I mean, it's there. Again, it's not a direct connection like you were saying. It's a through one of his foundations um, that he's created. It's always through a foundation. And that's that's how they operate. It's not just him. Right now, now, like I said, George Soros is like him or not. He is, a, in a sense, when it comes to his investments and, and giving to these causes that are uh, in, its, in an attempt to undermine our, our societies, our cultures, our values, our laws, our, our law and order, our, just, our justice systems. Like him or not, he's not the only person doing all this. Believe me, there's plenty of blame to go towards George Soros, but he's not alone in all this. But Viktor Orban, right, the Hungarian prime minister, again, calls him one of the most corrupt people in the world. Uh, he's lambasted the billionaire plutocrat as one of the most corrupt people in the world after he called on the European Union to make Hungary and Poland submit to open society values. Well, I remember a few years back that uh, Prime Minister Orban actually put up, and I think they're still up, but there was a smear campaign across Hungary against George Soros. The Hungarian Prime Minister Orban actually threw all of George Soros's organizations out of Hungary because they were found to be undermining the country. As in undermining, well, their values, their their way of life, more or less. And so they said, all right, fine. That's foreign investment money. You're out of here. You're gone. You're done. We don't want you anymore. This is precisely what happened with Russia, more or less. And again, Soros wasn't directly involved there. I mean, he, he might have had some dealings over in there. I don't know. But more specifically to like the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the, these financial institutions, they had the same type of deal going on in Russia. And this is what the big thing was there about the fall of the Soviet Union was the the old leftovers of the Soviet Union, mainly guys like Putin, right? Putin ran the KGB for a good number of years, came along and said, uh, look, we've been under the thumb of communism for 80 years. Yeah, we're going to try something else. And so the tax exempt foundations like this got thrown out. Now, is that to say that the Russian oligarchs are any better? Not really. But nonetheless, they want it to be run by them. Same thing in Hungary. Is that to say that the Hungarian oligarchs are any better? I don't know. Quite frankly, I don't know. But when you have corrupt interests like this coming in and uh, fooling around in your um, in your national, uh, well, in your sovereignty, more or less, well, what do they do? They undermine your entire system. George Soros, when he goes into a country, he does a couple of things. First and foremost, usually what he does, he takes over a single radio station, just one, just one. And that's where it starts. And then it just grows from there. Then it's a newspaper. Then it's an online website. Then it's an advertising company. Then it's a media company. Then it's and it's just more and more and more. Then they get into education. Then they get into religious organizations. And it just goes on from there. But that's how they do it. So when these big vested interests come in like this, see, this is my problem with tax exempt foundations. I understand that, you know, we we have charities and all that stuff. I I get it. Right. I, I understand. But this has been the biggest problem since I want to say probably about the 50s to 60s, somewhere along in there, was you had these wealthy business types like this start to funnel their money through tax-exempt foundations. Once they did that, their net worth dropped significantly, but their investments increased also. So they can hide and they use their tax-exempt foundations as fronts, their money laundering operations for other things. Example, you notice all the big uh, all the big names have the uh, uh, the tax exempt foundations. Bill and Melinda Gates. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. Everybody knows that one. Right. George Soros with Open Society, the Carnegie Endowments, the Rockefeller Foundation, uh huh, the Ford Foundation, all, all of them. Right. All of them. Have, of course, the Obamas have a foundation now. The Clinton Foundation. Uh huh. Yeah. They've all got them. So if you want to understand what is being done, how this is being fueled. See, revolutions cost money. A lot of it. (laughs) It takes a truckload of money and they have to have the cash flow somewhere. This is their overthrow attempt at the West. All these foundations coming together. And it's this. This is how they're funneling their money. Civil Society 2.0, right? Enter Civil Society 2.0. I'm pretty sure. I mean, Bruce, you and I did some we did some digging into Civil Society 2.0, and I believe that that's what we're seeing uh, here in the West. How much does how much involvement does someone like Mr. Soros have in Civil Society 2.0? Because this is not just a Western thing. I mean, it's it is, but we're seeing it in other parts of the world too. If you look at Central and South America right now, all the way down to Chile, 
all the way down to Chile, up through Colombia, into Brazil, um, Guatemala, uh, Nicaragua. All of it right now is being upended, right? All of it. You've got mobs in the streets. People are out burning things. And it's all civil society 2.0. And I refuse to believe that this guy is... I, I know this guy's involved. The paper trail shows that to be true, doing it through his, his foundations. But I refuse to believe he's the only one. We know other organizations are involved, like the Gates, for example. But... Uh, the gates are going at it from a different angle. They're going more for your healthcare or your the vaccines and that sort of thing. Whereas Soros, he's going more from the fina uh, financial business side of things, even education side of things. Also media. He's big in media, media. operations. That's, that's true. Uh, media as well. You have other people though, like, um, was it Bloomberg? He's he's done a lot. Michael Bloomberg, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. He he does a lot um, of the investment train stuff on in all that in in markets and things like that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and here in the states, we're seeing things like um, district attorneys and whatnot having an education sponsored by Soros. You know, they got it through a Soros Foundation, which leads you to believe. Uh, well, be skeptical of the person, shall we say? But uh, one one that uh, I want to point out, just just. Uh, since we're on the topic, you, you mentioned religion there. This one, this one grinds my gears because it's a a denomination, if you will, of Christianity. The Pope coming out and saying all the stuff that he says about how we need to uh, create a new economic uh, economic system. He's encouraging young people. This was here recently. He um, uh, spoke to upcoming entrepreneurs, saying you need to create a new system that benefits the poor and has equality and all these, you know, all the wonderful buzzwords that we hear coming out of Soros and Gates and all the left-leaning organizations. And as someone on the right, um, someone that's for small government, constitutionalism, blah, 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 so on and so forth, you know my stance. Some of the stuff he says here is so vague that I don't disagree. Like uh, having uh, your, your companies um, helping enlighten people, help people's lives, you know, help uh, bring them up. You know, we've talked about how capitalism has helped countries come out this of is what, poverty. This is what the church is supposed to do, though. I mean, that's been their traditional role is to ha have charity, give to the poor. Yeah, it's the church's job. It's not the job of the business. It's right. not the job of the government and all that. So ha having him come up and say that businesses need to focus on this. Well, yeah, the thing about the church is this this is kind of how I see it and and my understanding based on the Bible. The church is a organization point for these charities, right? You as the individual are supposed to go out and do charity work yourself individually. Obviously, we can't do that all the time because of our time, you know, businesses that we either work at or own uh or other um obligations in life. So we may not be able to do that ourselves. Um so typically we give to those charities, right? That's the general idea. So I, I don't understand why he has to come out and start saying, well, you have to completely revamp the economy system. I don't disagree. I think we need to bring morals back into the system, but having the economy be completely reworked and redone and um, bringing up, like dragging up the poor when they're unwilling to work for themselves. That's, by the way, that's a tenet of the Bible, something that's taught in the Bible. You don't work, you don't eat. That's kind of a general thing in the Old Testament. So uh, why is it he's pushing for this? I mean, I'm, I'm for being charitable and I'm for helping people, but you don't drag along people that are unwilling to work. They're dead weight. I, I think that, see, everyone has, if you notice, everyone has a role here, right? Everyone has a, a job in this agenda. Again, these people, understand something, these people, when they get to this level, they all hate each other, but they are united on one thing, and that's the takedown of the West. That's what they're doing. That's what the agenda is here. That's the game that's being played. Now, Soros, as you said, where is he tied in, right? It's it's the cultural aspect, the media, you know, the chaos, the mayhem in the streets. Bloomberg can come in as the finances. Gates is the medical guy. You need somebody to take in the religious side of it, don't you? There you go. Yeah, so you need you something go. that's going to get... What, what do you have? Roughly like one, was it one and a half billion Catholics? Is that, is that how, is that about, about what it is in the world? Uh, that's, that's a good uh, question. Let's see. 
Okay, I was close. So you have a majority of Europe are Catholic. I mean, at least, you know, we're here where I'm at, you've got more than 50% of the country is Catholic. Same thing when you go to most European countries, Central and South America, same thing. Of course, the US, yeah. Canada, you have big Catholic uh, populations, or excuse me, big Catholic congregations. But um, you need something that's going to get the religious side of it involved as well. And you need someone that's going to sell out the biggest congregation of Christianity, and that's the Catholic Church. You need that to happen. Now, me personally, I, I believe that if you look at a lot of the archbishops that are in the Vatican that are sending out warning letters, you better pay attention to them. They're the ones that are warning against this. Now, is is the church going to take a, uh, an official standpoint? I don't know. I think there's a war going on in the Catholic Church, just like there's a war going on in other things. There's a war going on inside the UN. There's one going on inside of the World Health Organization. Hell, there's one going on inside the U.S. government. Yeah. There's one happening here in Europe as well between the national governments here. So everyone's in the process now of choosing sides. And this is the lead up. This is what happens. And then, of course, historically, you get to a critical mass and then the system topples. My next question is this. Now, I, and I want to transition into the do you have any more on that? Because I want to transition into the election stuff here. This was just a, I was chuckling because I remember Obama saying this is no longer a Christian nation. And oh, I'm yeah, looking at the that. figures yeah. and I'm looking, you know, uh, Protestants, 43 percent. Catholics, 20 percent. 63% of the US population is Christian. Yeah. And that's not including all the Christian. Yeah, that's not including all the Baptists, the Methodists, the evangelical all, well, all that. That that would be under the Protestants technically. Uh, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, true. L well, yeah, Luther well, yeah, Lutheran, yeah, plot. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, the Amish, don't forget the Amish, right? The, the Amish, yeah. They uh well, the I mean, actually, it, you know, the Amish were in support of Trump. They took a political stance. They had Trump parades by horse and buggy. It was hilarious. They did. Yeah, they did. I, I don't recall them ever doing that for, for a president. Never. Maybe, I've never maybe, seen. Maybe Bush after 9-11. They maybe. might have done something then. Maybe. Uh, but I, but I wasn't politically aware. I've never seen the Amish take a political stance, not publicly like that. Never. I've never seen that. You know that something's up when you've got the damn Amish that come out and unify and uh, yeah. And take a political stance on something because they don't get involved in anything. But anyway, again, I think that's and that's that's my take on it. That's my opinion is everyone has a role to play in all of this. And I think that the pope is key in in undermining the Catholic Church. Again, that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. I mean, I, I think we're still allowed to have those for the time being uh, until for now. For now. Yeah. Until something uh, something goes horribly wrong. But anyway, I want to transition over to the election. A lot of people are under the assumption I've spoken to a lot of people in the UK this week. I've spoken to a lot of people in Ireland this week. I've spoken to people in uh, in Germany this week. I've spoken to people in Canada this week. And you know what they're all saying? Yep. Yep. So uh, Trump lost. huh? No. Has he has he said that he lost? Has he conceded? Has the mainstream media said that he lost? No. Have they the said that he's lost? Mainstream media has been. Oh yeah, the ma mainstream media has been. Saying Have they been Biden saying won. that? Oh okay. Yeah. Well yeah, they've been saying Biden won, but they haven't said that Trump lost, have they? Um, they've said Trump lost, but they've not. There was it. There was a, a caveat to what they were saying, and I know, uh, but I don't remember exactly what the caveat is now. They covered themselves legally with how they're wording uh -huh. things. Okay. And I, well, I don't the remember the exact the thing is. On it. Yeah, the thing is, is that here's here's Joe Biden. Here here's crazy Uncle Joe. Right. He's he's running around. Well, not really. He's he's shuffling around, I think, because I don't think the guy can run. He's shuffling around and he's created an office of the president elect. You know, there is no such thing. There, there is no such office. We've never had such an office. There's never been such a thing. It's political theater. That's what you're seeing. Here's the problem. And again, if you don't know the system, you're not going to understand this. Everyone goes to bed. It's as simple as this. Everyone goes to bed at 3.30, 3.45, 4 o'clock on election night. Trump is ahead. Voting's done. What happened? You went to bed. You woke up the next morning. All of a sudden, Trump's losing. Can't you put two and two together? They figured out what they needed. They dumped what they needed. And then they came back. The problem was, is that they underestimated. I'm talking about the Democrat Party. They underestimated the algorithm of it. They underestimated that. The landslide was so big and so massive that they dumped it out there in front of everybody and they got caught. 
Now, I've been scratching my head for the last week trying to figure out how they're going to kick off the riots. The riots are coming. They're coming. It's in the cards. They've already said that it's in the cards, but they can't do it with a Biden presidency. That's the key. Mm. They need something. They, they need something. Not, not entirely true. And the reason I say it's not entirely true, the BLM, some of the leaders have been on um, like uh, Zoom calls and whatnot, mm -hmm. and they've been telling um, the people that were watching, look, if the Biden administration doesn't do what we want, because we were the ones that elected him, that's what they think. They they elected mm -hmm. him. Um, if they don't do what they want, then um, they're going to go out and riot. Well, what I mean, it, it's always that way in history, though. What, why on earth do these people think that they get some kind of get out of jail free card? You're never radical enough. Yeah. You're always the counter revolutionary. That, that's how that works. I mean, I, honestly, I, I don't know what we're dealing with here. I don't know if we're dealing with a bunch of political strategists or if we're dealing with kindergarten children, because these people have exhibited that level of intelligence when it comes to this stuff. I don't expect kindergarten students to understand how uh, radical revolutionaries work. I don't expect that. No one should. But I expect grown adults, especially ones in the political world, to understand how it works. But unfortunately, I think we're dealing with people that are so far disconnected from any kind of reality that they can't even see their own revolutionary guard is looking to have their heads. That's what's happening. Now, Nancy Pelosi came out, gave a statement a while back, and she said, the president of the United States will be sworn in on January 20th, regardless of where they are sworn in. Now, why would she make a statement like that? Why? So you fast forward, you look at what Twitter has said, you look at what Jack Dorsey has just said yesterday. He said that Twitter plans to hand over the POTUS account, president of the United States, the Twitter account, the official Twitter account for president of the United States. It's given to whoever the president is. They're going to hand over the president of the United States account, even if Trump doesn't concede. Did you hear what I just said? They're also going to hand over at White House, at VP, and at First Lady of the United States even if Trump doesn't concede. So what does that tell you? And again, this is just my opinion because we're still allowed to have those for the time being. This is my opinion. The next thing, right? This is the next thing here is, is this. It's the election thing. It's this long drawn out process. And of course, you got the media. You know what? You, you could have God himself certify the election and the media wouldn't believe it at this point. Wouldn't happen because they're, yeah, they're, but, that, they're that far messed up. Yeah, but look at how they worded that. It's not that if Trump wins, if the... Uh, legal, you know, the lawsuits are seen. It goes to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court looks at it and says, uh, these votes were illegal and throws them out, right? They're not, they're not even paying attention to that. All they said was if Trump doesn't concede. So what right. they're saying here that what they're alluding to is Trump has no claim to these illegal votes, like, right? That, that's all a conspiracy. And Biden won. So even if Trump doesn't concede, we're, we're going to give it to Biden, which by the way, Hillary has told Biden not to uh, concede under any right. circumstance. Which, again, this is my this is my take. I think this is their next play after this. Let's say, just for the sake of argument, let's say that the Supreme Court overturns this because, I mean, my God, look, look at some of this garbage. You, you've got Dominion, right? The Dominion voting system. Now, that whole thing with, uh, with the German servers and all that stuff, if you notice, the media said that that was a conspiracy theory and uh, they, they debunked that. CNN, Reuters, the New York Times, they, they debunked that. Think about very carefully as to how they worded that. They said yeah, that but. the Dominion voting systems were not seized. Of course they weren't seized. The software was seized. So that's an interesting thing. This is this is where this is where it becomes difficult, right, for for us vetting all this information. Because the mainstream media is saying, uh, you know, corporate media is saying this didn't happen. This is false. However, uh, who's the who's the lady lawyer? The one that was standing up there with Rudy at the press conference? Yeah, Sydney Powell. Sydney Powell. Yeah. Okay, so Sydney Powell. Now, to the average person, you may not know who she is. She is a very credible lawyer. And by very credible, I mean, she's like boxing heavyweight champion <laughs> of the world level. I mean, she is like an impeccable record. I believe she has something like a 90 some percent success rate. Um, she was the one that defended Michael Flynn and she lost the case. But three years later was proven true. I was going to say he was, was accurate. He was exonerated. He was exonerated in the end. Yeah, but anyway, she has come out and said, uh, "No, the 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 seizure, American, uh, the American government did go in and seize those servers in Germany." She's saying that it that is accurate information. So 
this is where it becomes difficult because the lawyers aren't giving us a lot of information because they're filing legal cases and they're basically kind of shadowing it from the Democratic Party until the case is, is um, um, filed. But at the same time, the news media isn't telling you the truth. They aren't doing their research. They're, they're trying to manipulate us. So it makes it very difficult for us to go in and, and, and find this information. Anyway, all that to say, um, we can't obviously verify this. However, the higher ups are saying, no, this is accurate. We did actually go in and confiscate the, the data. Okay. There. Well, if they took the servers here in Germany, if they, if they took them in from Frankfurt, okay, well, and if this is some debunked conspiracy theory that the mainstream media says that everyone's on, okay, well, why has Dominion backed out of the hearings before the Pennsylvania state legislature? Why have they refused to show up? If that's the case, why have why, why have, have they closed down all their offices? So go ahead. Yeah, why have more than a hundred of their employees disappeared off of like LinkedIn? They're covering their tracks. A lot of the people that were affiliated with Dominion are disappearing now. Why why are they disassociating with the company if this is yeah, all because they're caught? That's why. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, just one man's opinion. But see, here's here's my thing though. Like back to my original point. This is my opinion. I believe that their next play. Let's say that for the sake of argument, let's say that the election, as you said, let's say those votes are ruled illegal and they have to be thrown out. Okay, that changes things significantly. If the election is overturned, then I think their next play. Because look again, this is end game. They're out of time. They don't care. That, that's I think that's what people that, that's the biggest takeaway at this is is right now is is this is that people think that see this is the biggest thing right with good minded people you think because you won't do anything bad no one else will either these are hardcore criminals they don't care anymore they could care less they will sell out their own family for a dollar they don't care. This is the type of mentality that we're dealing with. My opinion is if this stealing of the election doesn't work, and which, by the way, on a side note, as a person who believes in free and fair elections, I'll accept the election as a person who believes in free democratic societies. I will accept it if it's a legit election. And this is not one. I'll accept it. I, I'm, I'm big enough to admit that. I didn't like the fact that Barack Obama got elected, but we elected him as an American populist. We dealt with it. But this... I, I'm sorry. If we accept this, and, and I'm I'm so disgusted at all the people that I hear in the news media and the like that are saying, "Well, we might just have to buckle up and and live." It. Look, if we accept as Americans, if we accept a stolen election, then you might as well just forget it because we'll accept it any other time after this. You might as well forget the republic because it won't exist yeah. if we live with a we'll stolen never, election. We'll never again have a fair election. Of course not. So my guess is that if this gets overturned due to what Madam Pelosi said about the president will be sworn in no matter where they are. And then, of course, with Twitter taking this stance here, saying that uh, they will turn it over regardless if Trump concedes, if it's overturned. My guess is, and if you look at the way the Democratic governors are behaving, my guess is that they are going to whisk this uh, this cabinet of, of radicals off somewhere. They'll swear them in and they will try and break the country. That's my guess. That's my guess. I hope I'm wrong, but that's my guess, is that that will be their next play if this is overturned. And then, of course, at that point, everything on the uh, on the radical end of it will become unhinged even further and they'll burn the cities. That's my guess. So I, I don't I don't know. I, again, that's just one man's opinion. But yeah, the Dominion thing, apparently, if you listen to the press conference, forget about the hair dye running down Giuliani's face, right? I don't care about that. That That's cosmetics. Who cares? That's low life, low IQ people that focus on image and not context. That's what that is. Look at what they said. They said that they have evidence that they're willing to present in a court in, what was it, three weeks? Are we three weeks away? Two weeks? Uh, within like a week or two, they're going to get it okay. out. I think they're giving it out after Thanksgiving. If if they're out there making claims the way that they made those claims, and I'm sure you heard the press conference, if if they're out there making those claims and they don't present that, well, then whatever's left of any kind of Republican establishment will be dissolved at that point. So you can take that not for only, what it is. Not only that, but these, these lawyers that are out here uh, presenting these cases, these lawyers will lose their livelihood. They would yes. be barred. They'll lose their license. That's it. Yes. They're done. Yep. So this they're, is it. They're banking. Yeah. No, not only are they banking their livelihood on this, but they're also um, bringing out the facts and, and pulling things out and, and challenging this. Uh, we've talked about it. There is so much fraud here. And it's obvious. 
you know if you're kicking out um like we've talked before if you're going to kick out um the the poll watchers and say okay we're done counting everybody goes home home finger quotes uh when the poll watchers leave then you start pulling ballots out from the back room and counting them and then the next morning you know before you when when you went to bed trump was when he when he said he was retiring for the night uh, he was 600,000 votes ahead in Pennsylvania. Next morning, he's losing by 170,000. How does that happen overnight? With 95% of the st- with 95% of the state counted, by the way. Yeah, right. So how is it that all of a sudden that happens when they stopped counting? So I mean, they're 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 basically calling you stupid. As was I the said, same they're, thing. They're peeing on your face and was the same. Training. Yeah, was the same thing in Georgia. Was the same thing in Wisconsin. Was the same thing in Michigan. All the states. All these states. Which, by the way, my state of, of Ohio. My state is no, and I'm happy to say, my state is no longer a swing state. Did you see the last election? My God, I think three counties were blue and the entire state was blood red. Analysis, yeah, analysis no longer consider Ohio to be a swing state. And its blue wall was breached in 2016 by then presidential candidate Donald Trump, as well as many other Republican candidates down ballot and has remained so in this 2020 election. The state of Ohio was a landslide, in my opinion, in my opinion. I've never seen the state of Ohio go as red as it did. Same thing with West Virginia. I was expecting West Virginia to be somewhat Democrat somewhere. But again, it went even further this time. Uh, It's a way off from being it's way off from being a swing state. Uh, as it was several decades ago. Guess who made that proclamation? NBC News. NBC News. The the hard left NBC News says that Ohio is no longer a swing state, except for the useless governor in there, DeWine. <laughs> that psychotic piece of garbage. Ohio is now much more a red state than it is a purple state, said Mark Caleb Smith, a professor of political science at Cedarville University in Ohio. If you look at recent elections, statewide presidential or gubernatorial Republicans have done extremely well. I think that means Ohio has taken a different turn. I think so, too. I think that Ohio really isn't a representative representative of the whole country the way that it once was. Well, I think it's representative. I don't know. know, Yeah, I was getting ready to say I think it's representative of how pissed off people are, because I'll tell you something. I am from that state. I was born and raised in that state. And we're proud to be American. Now, again, I've been a split ticket voter all my life. Always. I voted for Democrats. I voted for Republicans. I voted for independents. Hell, I voted for Libertarians and even Green Party people before. So I've always been all over the uh, all over the thing because I vote on somebody based on their ideas and not party lines. I've never been a party line person. I care about what someone stands for. And, you know, the person that represented my district on a local level, the person that represented my district where I lived in Ohio was a Democrat was a lifelong Democrat. And I'm talking like the the JFK and, and, you know, even further back, you could even go like almost FDR style Democrats. And you know what? They represented the community well, all people. It wasn't about party lines. Yes, we disagreed on social programs and how money was spent and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it didn't matter. They were friends of the family. We had barbecues together. We said the Pledge of Allegiance together. We sang the national anthem together. They didn't hate the country even though we didn't agree on politics. It's a very different story with these radicals. But again, Ohio, I, I think, as you said, Bruce, it's uh, what this what this professor is saying here. That's that's not how the rest of the country is. I, I honestly think I, that I think that the rest of the country actually has followed along the lines of Ohio. It's not what the professor is saying is, is my point. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's a clear example of the American people saying we don't want communism. We don't want socialism. We we like our capitalist system with welfare, you know, with these welfare whatever programs. I, I, I don't know how else to look at it because, you know, with us talking about the voter fraud and everything, these places that are typically blue went red this time if you take out the voter fraud. So uh, the thing about this was a landslide. And uh, for Trump, the numbers I'm hearing out the fraud. Yeah, the numbers I'm hearing from possible electors is saying 410 for Trump. That would be the largest electoral college victory in my lifetime. That that would be the largest one, I think, unless unless you include 
unless you include uh, pro- probably Reagan. Reagan had 49 of 50, right? I'm talking states. Uh, I was talking electoral votes, but yeah, I'm talking states here. Yeah, he won 49 of 50. Okay, so Reagan yeah, probably had it bigger. Uh, let's see. Reagan had, wow, yeah. He had um, over 90% of the electoral college. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I was, of course, I, I'm, I, I was a little young when Reagan was elected. If you want it by, by list. Real quick. Give me electoral George votes. Washington. Okay. Electoral votes. Well, we had a different system. Back when Washington was elected, it was it was different. It was the electoral. We did the electoral college the way that it should be done. In my opinion, I believe that's what we need to go back to. It for because if you don't have that, it used to be whoever had the most electoral votes was the president. Whoever had the second most electoral votes was the vice. There were no parties. It didn't work like that. Right now, the system is one party gets shut out and the other one doesn't get allowed in. That's what you have. So there's a, there's a constant tool of division there. If you have the system like we once had when it comes to electoral votes, it forces them to do dinner deals, if you will. Sorry, go ahead. So just uh, just to give you a, an example here, right? Washington, George Washington won first and second. Like he's the top two. Uh, then you have James Monroe, FDR, and then Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan is the fifth, right? Ronald Reagan had 525. Okay, I stand corrected. And that that's out of 538 by the way. Okay, I stand corrected. But okay, back back to the voter fraud. Okay, so let's look at Nevada, right? Nevada's one of the states in question here, correct? That we're still we're still waiting on things to be certified out there. Okay. So Nevada. Yeah. Now, let's look at this. The total ballots cast in Nevada, 1,327,394. Okay? Are you with me? The total presidential election votes in the state of Nevada, 1,405,376. Do we see a problem? No. You, you don't. You, you don't no, see a no, problem? No, is that, is that sarcasm? Right? No, this is... Yeah, yeah, yeah is that sarcasm? Yeah, I was yeah, being okay. facetious. Yeah, yeah. Among the hundreds of thousands of reports of voter fraud, some so egregious it shakes our belief in the pillars of the constitutional republic, but there's other glaring evidence of mass voter fraud. Again, this comes down to integrity. They want you to lose integrity in your system. This is the because if you don't have any faith in your system, well, then you have to replace it, right? That's just what they want you to do is they want they don't want you to replace it on your own. No, 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 no. They want you to demand a replacement and they just so happen to have one. So the total ballots, again, I will go over this. This is Nevada's own state election site, nvsosgov, excuse me, .gov, right? Total ballots cast on their own website, 1,327,394. Total presidential election votes, again, for the state of Nevada, 1,405,376. Huh. Now, remember, now, if you do the math on that, there are 77,982 more votes in the presidential election than there are cast ballots in the state of Nevada. Now, if you go through and you audit that right now, Joe Biden has a 33,596 margin currently. Where'd the extra ballots come from? So you're saying he lost by 40,000? 33,596. Well, he's he's ahead by He's ahead at the moment, yes. I'm saying, yeah, yeah, Trump Trump lost by 40,000. Yeah, Yeah, Trump lost by 40,000. But he was ahead. Yeah, but see, there's more. See, again, discrepancy. If you look, there's the 77,982 difference because the number of ballots cast in the state were only uh, 1.3 million. Sounds fair to me. And the t- I mean, it doesn't sound like sounds fair to problem. you. <laughs> sounds fair to you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Again, Bruce, integrity. Right. That's integrity. Right there. That is integrity. Georgia. To add to this, Georgia, uh, the governor down there, Brian Kemp, certifies then decertifies the recount results in the same day. Uh, what happened down there? Georgia's a mess. So, by the way, Georgia is a mess. So basically, what happened was is they uh, were going to not audit. This is what's frustrating with that. They weren't auditing the vote. They were just doing a hand recount. So they weren't going in and verifying that there was a signature that matched. They weren't going in to see if there was a um, a registered voter that matches the ballot. They weren't doing any of that. All they were doing is just counting the ballots. And they ended up finding something like 6,000 plus ballots that hadn't been counted. But that's a side note. They, they weren't going to certify it. It was a bipartisan board that was saying, there's problems here. We need to go over this. We need to uh, audit this. We need time. And then you had some activists start doxing uh, these individuals on the board. 
and threatened them. Uh, cases of people coming to their door. Oh, um, really? And yeah. So they um, they certified it and said, all right. And then they said, look, we were bullied into this. This wasn't, uh, this isn't accurate. And then they rescinded their, um, yeah, approval of it. So we'll see what, we'll see what happens. Again, Bruce, integrity. It's integrity. Anyway, uh, yeah, we're going to continue to follow up on that uh, as the week progresses. So on over to, uh, to some holiday travel stuff. Again, Bruce, I have to ask, do you have the picnic tables set up for Thanksgiving? No. Nah. No? Okay. No, still not do, Still not doing it. Do you have your mask ready for Thanksgiving when you go to visit a family member? No. No. Do you have your social distancing protocols ready to be enforced when you get to the family member's house? I do. I do, do actually, you? yeah. Do you? Okay. We do. I was expecting yeah. a no. I was expecting yeah. a no. No, no, we, we do. It's You walk in the door and you give a hug. That's our social social distancing oh, protocol. Okay. Well, some Democrats would agree with you, and I will explain why in just a minute. But I want to talk about Chicago O'Hare. Chicago Chicago O'Hare Airport, International Airport, excuse me. Been through there several times. Oh my God, that place is hell. Over the years, that place is hell. Uh crowds, and I mean crowds of people, are looking to depart Chicago O'Hare's International Airport. Now I thought they said, I thought they advised not to travel to to avoid. COVID. I'm looking at a lot of people in Chicago here. I don't see any social distancing. People standing in those lines. I don't see any of that going on. Large crowds and long lines were seen at O'Hare International Airport Friday as travelers prepared to depart Chicago ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday. I thought they said not to fly. All these all these rule breakers. According to the airport's website, face coverings are required inside the airport, and when possible, travelers should maintain six feet or two meters distance between individuals. The people that are standing in line, believe me, they are not maintaining six feet of distance, I can assure you. The safety and security and well-being of the traveling public is our highest priority. The CDA works closely with our airports, the Chicago Department of Aviation, I should say. Um, and public health partners to ensure the safest possible environment. This means, among other things, masks are required to be worn at the airport. Social distancing is encouraged via floor decals and other signage. And the most up-to-date public health guidance is communicated regularly through the variety of channels. We will continue these efforts. But we would also like to remind travelers of their responsibility to follow public health guidance, including wearing a mask and maintaining appropriate social distance. We all have a role to play. Again, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. You know, I got a uh, I got an email the other day from the U.S. consulate here. And to be honest with you, I don't know. Did I save it? Yeah, I got this the other day and it says um, that's for voting. Oh, here it is. So they're warning of demonstrations, right? Of course, you know, the Germans are in the streets. There was a demonstration again today. And of course, Antifa was out there and yeah, they had a big old time. And uh, see, Antifa's not burning businesses down here. So they need to do something more proactive from a government side because, I mean, you can't have Antifa out in the streets. They were in the streets here 70 years ago and you, you saw what happened. So, I mean, people are kind of mindful of that. So anyway, side issue, I'm sure. The French are out in the streets today. The Italians are in the streets. Uh, the Spanish are in the streets. The Brits are in the streets. People are a little upset. They're a little upset. And of course, the, the UK has, has announced freedom passes today. So if you get a COVID test and you test negative, well, you get a you get a freedom pass on your phone and you get to travel. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? We got that coming up on Wednesday with, uh, or excuse me, on Thursday with uh, with Marty this week. So we're going to be talking about that. UK Freedom Passes. Oh, yes. Coming to a smartphone near you. And Xi Jinping has also announced, uh, he's the uh, president of China, by the way, uh, he's announced that the entire world should have health passports via a QR code that is unique to each of us on our phones. Well, how convenient that they're proposing such a thing. Seeing as how the virus hasn't even been affecting China for the last several months, I find it rather strange that now we all have to adapt to that. Huh. And seeing as how that's where it came from in the first place. But do you remember that? Hmm. Anyway, uh, as I was saying, uh, all these people that are ignoring all these uh, these guidelines and everything and traveling during the holidays, Bruce, I mean, Chicago's locked down. It's a hot spot up there. It, it's out of control. The virus is out. of it's, it's never been more out of control and it's never been more on the verge of, of causing our health system to collapse than right now at this moment. And so Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot has had to lock everything down up there. But yet people are still traveling. It's almost like people just don't care. It's almost like uh, people are treating this virus the same as the governors and mayors. Almost. Yeah, you would, you would think. Yeah. Now, Bill Maher, right? You, Bill Maher hosted Real Time on, on HBO. Bill Maher, like him or not, I, I don't particularly like the guy, but 
I mean, I, I've agreed with him on some things. You can say what you want about Bill Maher. Bill Maher's not a, a crazy radical lunatic. He's a he's a hard leftist, but he's not a crazy radical lunatic. We do disagree on politics. I don't agree with like 90 percent, 95% of what the guy says most of the time. But nonetheless, he doesn't want to burn the country down. You can say what you want about him. He's not that kind of person when it comes to that. He believes in things differently. We disagree on politics, but at the end of the day, I don't think he hates the U.S. I mean, my God, the guy's made hundreds of millions of dollars. So, well, of course, I, I mean, that's not saying a whole lot. Look at a lot of these sports stars and entertainers. But anyway, um, Bill Maher has said, and, and recently he's made some decent points when it comes to the hypocrisy of everything. And I have to agree with the man. I do in this regard. When, he, when it comes to him pointing out the hypocrisy on his own side of things, I have to agree with him. He's now made a statement. He says, Democrats who preach mask wearing keep getting caught doing what we're not allowed to do. Huh. Bill Maher said in a statement on his show on Real Time on Friday, he said they can all jump in a lake (laughs) because, (laughs) well, yeah, I I agree with you, Bill. He says who are always preaching wearing the masks. They keep getting caught doing what we're not allowed to do. Nancy Pelosi did. Yeah, she was at the salon. Right. But see, she got set up. Right. She she got set up. Right. Yeah, she she got set up. Lori Lightfoot. Right. She got caught. Uh, What's her name? He's not talking about it here, but uh, what, what's her name? Uh, Feinstein. She was caught in the airport. You remember? Yeah. Governor Gavin Newsom just the other day at the French Laundry. Yeah. The, the restaurant up there. He was caught. Butch, by the way, now that he's gotten caught, he locked down the restaurant up there. Yeah. So they're probably going to go out of business. Isn't that great? Uh, Governor Gavin Newsom. Yeah. Uh, did you see this? He was at some sort of birthday party indoors. He's talking about Gavin Newsom. I haven't eaten indoors publicly since March without a mask. And at the table, there were lobbyists from the California Medical Association. That's like getting <laughs> so that's like getting drunk with mothers against drunk driving. He's right. Yeah, he, he's got a point here. You ask, OK, well, that's just a couple of occasions. That's a couple. Of, OK, OK, well, New York, right? You go up to New York, you say, OK, well, those are governors and those are mayors and all that stuff. What about the actual party leaders themselves? Do they follow it? Do they follow it? New York. Let's look at New York. New York Democratic Party leaders caught maskless at a private party despite COVID restrictions. I thought you weren't supposed to have, what was it, more than 10 people in a house or or in a dwelling or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Can't have more than 10 people. Can't be indoors. You can't have uh, restaurants open. Everything's got to be takeaway, all that stuff. Elite New York Democrats attending a Brooklyn private party did not adhere to the state's coronavirus restrictions. And there are photographs of it. The event was a private birthday party for Carl Sisura. Sorry if I botched the name, uh, who is the head of the New York Building Congress, a trade organization. The other attendees included former Brooklyn Democratic Party chairman Frank Sedio and deputy Brooklyn borough president Ingrid Lewis Martin. Huh. These are people that are telling you that you can't have Thanksgiving dinner. You should cancel Christmas. You shouldn't have people over to your home. You should close your businesses. Well, not that you should. You will close your business. Photographs of the event showed that very few people wore masks, though the party attendees stood in close proximity. Believe me, they are shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow. Oh, they're rubbing elbows, all right. And they are talking. One photograph showed both Sidio and Lewis Martin chatting maskless. Oh, Oh, this is a particularly trying time, and there were shortcomings that I regret, Cicero said in a statement. Oh, let's uh, see. It's like Gavin Newsom oh, getting caught. When, <laughs> yeah, it's like Gavin Newsom when he got caught, you know, when he was sitting up there with that that's, uh, that grin on his face the whole time. He's like, look, I, you know, I, I, I made that mistake. Mm-hmm. That was a bad decision. Mm-hmm. I instead of instead of sitting down, I should have I should have stood up and, and got in my car and, and went home. <laughs> you idiots. Which, by the way, the entire uh, California state legislature right now. You ask, where are they in this time of crisis? You ask, where are they? They all jumped on uh, private airplanes and they are out in uh, Hawaii right now at a luxury resort on your taxpayer dime, I might add. Uh, I'm sure they're, you know, in adhering to protocols and everything, though, I'm sure at their conference. Right. I- I'm sure. Oh, and I'm I'm sure they adhere to uh, Hawaii's um, two week quarantine as well. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that they are. Um, so Soria said uh, this statement, though, that I was saying that, you know, uh, the shortcomings that they regret, uh, they were emphasizing that the party was not his idea. Right. He, he, he was emphasizing. It, see, the party wasn't his idea. 
Right. But so, you still attended it. And yes, okay. he says, I greatly uh-huh. appreciate the gesture of my friends to throw me a surprise. But so it was his party. So he didn't know about it. It was his party. Uh, but we right, almost right. follow uh, strict protocols so we can get past this pandemic. I mean, right. he, he mm-hmm. said, though, he, he said, though, that um, guests had their temperatures taken before they entered the party and that everyone was given a mask. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I mean, uh, I mean, they at least tried. Right. They, they tried. I mean, it's sure. not I mean, they could have all just gone home, but I mean, I'm sure that they wanted to stay for the truffle pasta and and everything else that they had there. Yeah. Uh, Lewis Martin said the party took place last Saturday, only a few days after Democratic New York Governor Andrew Cuomo issued a coronavirus restriction mandating that private groups be no larger than 10 people. Huh. Additional Democrat leaders have also recently violated their own COVID restrictions. Of course, Gavin Newsom, as we talked about, mm-hmm. uh, he, he said that um, Newsom also put out the um, the information that people need to wear face masks in between bites in restaurants if you can actually get to a restaurant. And he announced Monday that California is pulling the emergency break. Of course, that again, as all the state legislatures jetted off to Hawaii for their their conference in a luxury resort out there, I'm, I'm sure that you know they, they have the, the people's best interest at heart. Can people not see that the hypocrisy in all this? Can, can you not see this? Seriously. Like, I, I'm not being facetious here. Can you not see these slugs of humanity? Now, in fairness, Bruce, he said that only 10 people attended the party in New York. Only t- oh, only about 10 people. I mean, I'm looking at the photo here and it looks like, oh, I don't know, 20, 30 people, maybe it, just in that shot. Again, rubbing elbows with each other. Well, I'm, I'm curious about the these rules. He says only 10 people, right, are allowed. Well, what happens if you have 10 people there but then you have a waiter or waitress. Well, then the whole That's kitchen staff and, and, you know, yeah. people, valets park the cars and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, now, when he was showed the picture, he said, I honestly, I, I, I don't know what to say to that. He says, but that's a great angle on that picture. That's that's what he said. To answer your question on whether people see this or not, none of them have been impeached. Recalled? Anything? Recalled? Nothing. That. Arrested? So, shall we say? I mean, honestly, I, I mean, I'd be happy with some with some handcuffs and some jail time. Seriously, I mean, I'd be I'd be satisfied with that. But anyway, I'd be you know what? I'd be happy if they tar and feathered him. Yeah, I mean, that's what we used to do, right? Back in the good old days, right? I mean, that's that's what we used to do. But I mean, uh, now let's let's not gloss over this. Let's not gloss over this. Bruce, we're sitting here. We're talking about justice. We're talking about bringing these people to justice for for, you know, ruining people's lives. But what if we're looking at this the wrong way? What, What if we're looking at this the wrong way? What if we instead of persecuting these people that I'm sure just have our best interest at heart, right? I'm sure. I mean, they they care about the public safety. Of course. What what if we're looking at this the wrong way? What if we give them an award instead? What what if we give them awards? And you say, okay, well, why would you give an award to someone that's you know basically destroyed our lives and uh, continues to to destroy our lives and and essentially hold us hostage? Why would you give someone an award for that? Well, Governor Andrew Cuomo, your friend Bruce, yeah, Governor mm-hmm. Andrew Cuomo is going to receive the special Emmy Award for his leadership during the COVID nineteen crisis. He's going to get an he's going to get an Emmy Award, the International Emmy Founders Award for his leadership during the crisis. Governor Andrew Cuomo will receive an International Emmy Award in recognition of his leadership during the COVID-19 pandemic and his and I'm quoting here and his masterful use of television to inform and calm people around the world. I, I thought this was a satire piece. I, I really uh, it thought it does. It does sound like The Onion or something. It or doesn't it? be or yeah, it does. Because this is the same guy that went on to uh, CNN with his brother, Chris, and they do the little bit about the, the giant Q-tip and saying, no, I'm not going to shut down New York. And then literally within 24 hours, he shuts down New York. So, I mean, this is the same guy that came out multiple times, lied to you, and then went and did exactly what, what he said he wasn't going to do. Well, there's some outrage here in a lot of um, a lot of critics, shall we say, because of the announcement of this. Um, ben Dominic. Yeah. Ben Dominic has said that um, uh, Andrew Cuomo and I'm quoting the tweet here, says that Andrew Cuomo deserves to be on trial for the elderly people. His nursing home order directly murdered. Instead, he's getting an Emmy. Also, Shorab Amari. Yeah. Also, Shorab Amari has said again. I'm just quoting the tweet here. He says, "Spitting on the graves of thousands of senior citizens whom Cuomo killed by his nursing home order." Uh, another tweet was responded. He literally screamed at a reporter for questioning his vague, seemingly contradictory guidance on school closures, which I believe we have a, quote, a clip of that. We'll get to that in a second. Not like he raised his voice. He actually screamed at a reporter because of his own problems. They just give out awards for anything these days. 
Well, we have that clip. Let, let's go over that clip. Again, this is Cuomo in that altercation with the reporter just the other day. Remember when we did an orange zone and a red zone in Brooklyn and Queens and we closed the schools? Don't you remember that? Okay, so don't you, so what are you talking about? How, what are you talking about? You're now gonna override. We did it already. That's the law, an orange zone and a red zone. Follow the facts. Uh, Okay, first and foremost, that is not a law. That is not a law. That's an illegal order is what that is. Well, uh, I mean, saying it's an illegal order is a little bit of a stretch. It's a recommendation. It's a... Okay. Unless it's under an emergency order, you know, in which case it would be a strong recommendation. Uh, but there is no, it's not a law. A law has to be passed by the legislator. There has to be some kind of legal repercussion for, for breaking it. There is none in this case. Um, there, it, well, there is actually. They, they, they didn't pass it in a legislator. It was the governor that said, we're going to fine you. Was it $10,000, $2,000, $150, whatever that Something is. Something like that, yeah. It, it's, yeah, it ranges from depending on the offense. The, the, the part that really grinds my gears, though, in this is the just before this, we didn't and we didn't have this in this clip. But just before this, he was griping at the guy that was asking the question about the, the way he asked the question, right? The, the, his tone or whatever it was. And then immediately after that, he's condescending and then yells at the guy. Yeah. He's, he's and then he's despicable. And then he tries to. Yeah. And then he tries to team the two reporters with each other. He's like, oh, well, yeah, you. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's let's go on with it. Well, then you're confused. I'm confused. And then I'll tell you what, Jimmy. Parents are still confused as well. The schools. No, in they're not confused. Tomorrow. You're confused. No, I think but read the law. Confused as well. Read the law. It's not a law. And you won't be confused. But Governor, following Jimmy's question, are the schools going to be open tomorrow? The schools are open by state law. I think Jimmy's correct in, in asking that question. I don't think it's obnoxious at all. Real quick, the schools mm-hmm. were open at the time of this. Yes, they were. But they're saying four that hours the, later. Yeah, if they're saying that there's down. a. He says if the cases jump above three percent, then they'll shut it down. So what? You're going to shut it down? You're going to run PCR tests that are going to find anything in anybody? You're going to use that as a diagnostic tool, and then you're going to shut down society over over what? Oh, well, 80% of the people are asymptomatic. That's what all this has shown anyway. Well, just just on something real quick about the 3%. CDC estimates that influenza has a uh, resulted in about 45 million illnesses. This was in 2010, right? So 45 mm-hmm. million. He says above 3%. I'm pretty sure 45 million is above 3%. I'm pretty sure he said 3%. I, I don't know. He's going to mention it here in just a second. Let's finish this out and let's see if, if that's what uh, right. he says. I, but I'm pretty sure he said 3%. I don't care what you think. He doesn't care what uh, he thinks. Of course, you agree with him because you're in the same business with him. <laughs> the schools, by state law... Well, what is the answer to your question? What is the answer to your question? I don't know what the answer is. Yes, you do. <laughs> you, you said when does the state close the schools? You get to an orange zone, which you're suggesting could happen, but is not necessarily happening by tomorrow. So then, what are you asking? You just so, answered your own question. The other but, week, but you wow. said, "Excuse me." But on one hand, you have granted Bill De Blasio the kind of oversight of his schools, and there are rumors that that the number in New York City will rise about three percent, which would trigger closing of schools. Now, you have just said that an orange zone could be in the offering for the entirety of New York City, which would also close schools. But your number is two point five. So I guess just the point blank question is: Are schools going to be open tomorrow in New York? Let's City? do it again for you. This <laughs> maybe gets confusing. <laughs> Don't be condescending. Over the days and nights. Don't be condescending. Uh, schools set their own, school, 700 school districts, they all set their own number. That's the number. Unless they fall into a microcluster. The microcluster overrides the local rules. Yellow, orange, red. So any kind of cluster, the microcluster, as he just said, overrides the rules. So again, when any kind of case or any kind of spike shows up, they'll shut it all down. Uh, so 2%, five, uh, the, the 2%, 3% that they were talking about there, 2010, there were about, uh, we'll say 15% of the population that was infected. So that's a, that's a bit over the, it's a bit over the 
three percent there that he's just saying. a little bit yeah just a little bit you know what i find interesting about this is is that first of all most of the people west of the hudson don't like this guy okay that's the first thing so i mean let's look it's he's getting an international emmy award okay i was going to invite him to thanksgiving i don't know what you're oh you were about. Okay. Well, well, see, Bruce, you can't because you're not doing any protocols. So, I mean, he's not going to be able to attend. But my point is, is most of the country over there, at least Midwestern part of it, we don't like uh, nothing against people in New York. I I love people from New York. You know, I I spent time up in New York. The men and women in New York, great people. But this guy, this guy, I, I don't like this guy's attitude. And most people in the political world in my part of the country don't like it either. And I know that your your part of the country, they don't like it either. Mm-mm. I mean, did you hear how he was treating them? Disrespectful like that? That's exactly yeah. how I was raised not to be to people. Yeah, you, you do but, that kind of thing, you would get slapped down. Exactly. But this right here, th- this is what's shocking to me. Okay, that's just the US. But around the world, if you ask anybody, like if I were to ask anybody where I'm at, hey, do you know who Andrew Cuomo is? Nobody would know who that guy is. And you're going to give him some kind of international recognition? It's a joke. It's a joke. It's an absolute well, no, joke. Well, of course, see, I would expect that from the Emmys. But yeah, go on. He, he did He did such a phenomenal job, though. He did such an amazing job at leadership of, of taking and getting coronavirus under control in New right. York. He did such right. an amazing job. And the press conferences that he had, they were just fantastic. They were. They were great effectual propaganda pieces. Inspiring. Inspiring. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about integrity. I mean, the, Governor Andrew Cuomo has it. I, I think he's got yeah. it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, realistically, though, he's he has not really changed. Like he, he is a douchebag and he he's, acts like one. He's exactly the same way he was <laughs> pre-pandemic. He's exactly the same. He behaves exactly yeah. the same way. Yeah. I mean, so I, talk- I guess I, I give him that credit, you know? Yeah. We were talking, I was like uh, four years ago or like, man, that's, that guy's ridiculous. You know, <laughs> that guy's a joke. Anyway. All right. Uh, we're out of time. So we are going to have to go. But uh, thank you for sitting down today, Bruce. Uh, for those of you who have not, you'd like to give us a follow over on the social media platform of Parlor. I have gotten some feedback from some of you all this week. Thank you all very much. Also, you sent in some or you've echoed our posts of our podcast. We appreciate that as well. Uh, thank you for the very kind words uh, that you've posted back to us. And we are glad that we do have you now as a loyal listener. We hope that you do pass us along. So you can follow me on parlor at jay anderson three or you can follow marty at marty foster also if you'd like to reach out to us and you don't want to do it on social media you can do so anytime by dropping us a line at tips at dynamic and again we would humbly ask you to pass this along to friends family and known associates in these trying times we're growing we're trying to grow our audience as much as possible and we need your help as a loyal listener in order to do that so if you could pass this along we would appreciate that we're available everywhere you get your podcasts with the exception of soundcloud also if you're rating podcasts if you could drop over to apple podcasts and give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience we would appreciate that as well five stars would be a plus thank you very much thank you for your time today bruce And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening, because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you, and we love freedom and independence, and together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.